Did you miss me? I'm back after a week off to let my voice recover from a cold. Trust me, while it still sounds a little rough right now, you definitely didn't want to hear from me last week. Thanks to the Datages team for filling in for me while I was out of commission, and hopefully today's episode makes up for my absence. You know, when I was your age, go ask your mother. I know you don't like it. It builds character. How many times do I have to tell you? I'm not just talking to hear my own voice. Hello, listener, and welcome to Datages. I'm your host, Chad Hagel. And if you are looking for some fatherly wisdom for your career, your family, or any other aspect of your life, then you've come to the right place. If you want to learn more about Datages, find additional content, submit questions or feedback to me, or if you want to know if that mental picture you have of me after hearing my voice matches my real face, visit datages.com. Thanks for being here. And before you listen to our podcast, please listen to your father. Friends and family, welcome to Datages. First, I'd like to give a shout out to Josh Wilson and the Uncensored Advice for Men podcast. I really enjoyed my visit with Josh two weeks ago, and little did I know at the time how important that episode would be to fill in the blank last week while I was battling a cold. Thanks again to Anna and the rest of the Datages team for keeping the train on the tracks. Today's podcast episode really ties into some of the topics Josh and I discussed. If you didn't hear my interview with Josh, check it out on Datages or on Uncensored Advice for Men. Today's episode is going to be revealing and personal, and I hope that you all find meaning in it. We're talking about topics that we address a lot here on Datages, success and failure. They're two sides of the same coin for sure. I mentioned my most recent exploration of these topics with Josh Wilson on Uncensored Advice for Men. In that interview, I talked about a mindset that embraces failure as the most important first step in success, and how much I've tried to instill this mindset in my company and in my children. I've gotten a lot of positive feedback from members of the friends and family who really took a lot away from that interview. Thank you as always for your feedback. Keep it coming. You can always reach me, chad at datages.com. I'd also like to refer you back to an important past episode of Datages from July, entitled, Don't Let What You Can't Do Prevent You From Doing What You Can. In that episode, we talked about the truly limitless nature of human capabilities and how to structure your life and your business to overcome impediments and to set yourself up for maximum achievement, even in the face of obstacles. If you haven't listened to that episode from July, along with our whole series devoted to Disability Awareness Month and recognizing those who overcome great challenges every single day. I do recommend you go back and check those out. It's some powerful stuff. But today, we look at the other side of the coin, failure. And we will evaluate it through the lens of a dadage that I first introduced in our episode entitled Deals Not Done. In that episode, I talked about the words of one of my mentors, Sam Freshman, who said, some of the greatest deals in my career were the ones I didn't do. The bonus dadage I shared in that episode that we will explore today is this, just because you can do something doesn't mean you can. 
You heard me right. Just because you can do something doesn't mean you can. I'm going to call this Chad's possibility paradox. Before we explore further, let's sidebar here about paradoxes in general. Those of you in the Datages friends and family who follow the show closely know that I'm a big time linguophile. So linguistically speaking, what is a paradox? According to the Oxford English Dictionary, a paradox is a seemingly absurd or self-contradictory statement or proposition that when investigated or explained may prove to be well-founded or true. And while we're on the topic, what is the difference between a paradox and an oxymoron? These two terms are similarly different. (laughs) And if you already know what an oxymoron is, you'll know I just threw one in. Similarly different. An oxymoron is also a figure of speech involving contradiction. But in the case of an oxymoron, the contradiction is formed by two apparently contradictory terms used in direct juxtaposition to one another. I tried to come up with some other examples of oxymorons, but I eventually gave up because every example I could think of was either terribly good or amazingly awful. (laughs) So rather than me trying to explain it further, here's an excerpt from a scene in one of the most underrated comedies of the early 90s. I'm going to stick by this one. Oscar, starring Sylvester Stallone as a gangster trying to attempt to reform and go legit. In the scene, Stallone, who plays Snaps Provolone, is talking to his speech tutor, Dr. Thornton Poole, played by the amazing Tim Curry, and one of his henchmen, Connie, played by the equally brilliant Chaz Palminteri. Connie says, Even in the old days, he was known as an honest crook. Dr. Poole replies, That's an oxymoron. Connie responds, his feelings hurt, Gee, you shouldn't have said that, Doc. Snaps chimes in. Yeah, leave Connie alone. He does the best he can. Brilliant writing. An oxymoron wrapped inside of a pun. But I would expect nothing less from the writing team behind Oscar, Jim Mulholland and Michael Barry, who were writers for Bad Boys, The Tonight Show starring Johnny Carson, and Late Night with David Letterman, as well as Amazon Women on the Moon. For those of you born after 1976, I recommend you go back and dig out the 1987 sci-fi farce, Amazon Women on the Moon. For those of us who were teenage nerds at the time, it was the pinnacle of cult films. We will put links to the actual scene from Oscar, which I found on YouTube, as well as the feature films Oscar and Amazon Women on the Moon, in the Datages bulletin board for those of you who are wise enough to take my advice and check them out. Just go to datages.com and check out the bulletin board there. Ah, thank you for indulging me in some linguistic and cinematic fun. Now back to Chad's possibility paradox. Just because you can do something doesn't mean you can. What does this really mean? I'm going to answer that question for you today and then illustrate this concept by looking back at one of the most overwhelming time periods of my life. Let's start today's discussion with physics for all of you science buffs out there. Well, physics and a t-shirt. I recently saw a guy with an awesome t-shirt in the bar of the new Virgin Hotel in New York City. For those of you who asked, 
that is where I was staying when I filmed that episode last week with the awesome view of the Empire State Building over my shoulder. Anyway, this guy in the bar at the Virgin Hotel had a great t-shirt that read, science is like magic that really works. I researched this quote and I found that it's a slight adaptation of a quote from Kurt Vonnegut in his postmodern novel entitled Cat's Cradle, written in 1963. I promptly ordered the book on Amazon, and I expect to receive it by the time this episode airs. I'll let you all know what I think about it after I read it this fall, and we'll put a link in the bulletin board on datages.com. So let's talk physics. Specifically, let's talk Newton's third law. Do you remember from eighth grade science class what that one is? Well, I'm not just going to remind you about his third law, but I'm going to give you all three because that's the kind of generous host I am. Here we go. Newton's first law. An object in motion tends to stay in motion. An object at rest tends to stay at rest. Newton's second law. The force of an object equals its mass times acceleration, or F equals MA. As an aside, I will never forget this one because my eighth grade science teacher was also my swim coach. And we had a swimmer on our team who was an exchange student from China named Frank Ma. My teacher used to say Newton's second law was the law of Frank Ma. F as in Frank equals MA. And finally, Newton's third law. For every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. Here's a great explanation of Newton's third law regarding action and reaction from Khan Academy. If an object A exerts a force on object B, then object B must exert a force of equal magnitude and opposite direction back on object A. This law represents a certain symmetry in nature. Forces always occur in pairs, and one body cannot exert a force on another without experiencing a force itself. We aren't exactly scientists here at Datages. Nerds, absolutely, but scientists, uh, that would be a false claim. So why am I delving into Newton's third law regarding action and reaction? Here's where I find it applies to life outside of science. Chad's third law of decision-making is this. Every decision has consequences, both positive and negative. It's just like the symmetry in nature demonstrated by Newton's third law. What are Chad's first and second laws of decision-making? I'm not going to share those with you right now. Not because I'm being coy, but because I simply haven't written them yet. If only I had a podcast and could devote time to writing about life advice and providing fatherly wisdom. Oh wait, I do. Well, I guess you can all be on the lookout for a series on datages devoted to Chad's three laws of decision-making. For now, though, we'll stick with number three. Every decision in life has consequences, both positive and negative. I guess you can call this law the facts of life law. Remember the old theme song from the 80s? You take the good, you take the bad, you take them both, and there you have the facts of life. The facts of life. So I'm going to happily call Chad's third law of decision-making Mrs. Garrett's law and give credit where credit is due. She always had great advice for her girls on the show. 
she definitely should have had a podcast. So according to Mrs. Garrett's law, it is impossible in life to make a decision that doesn't have some sort of negative consequences. Even if a decision you make is exactly the right decision for yourself at exactly the right time, there will always be trade-offs. There will always be an opportunity cost. This notion comes not necessarily from psychology, but from another social science, economics. We don't have unlimited resources. Perhaps the most precious of those resources are not economic or financial in nature. They are our own individual time, thought, and energy. I think Mrs. Garrett's Law is one of the ones that I spend the most time discussing within my own family. It is really easy in a high-achieving family to falsely conclude that the standard of achievement is perfection. Pursuing perfection presents major problems. And if children believe that perfection is truly the standard, it can lead to paralysis, a complete inability to make decisions, and a massive impact on their self-esteem when they fail to meet the impossible standard that's been set. There are no perfect decisions. Remember all the way back to episode four of Dadages when I talked about limiting fallacies and one particular type of limiting fallacy, the forced paradigm. As a reminder, a forced paradigm occurs when someone creates an unnecessary set of guidelines around a particular problem, which complicates the process of solving the problem or makes the solution completely impossible to attain. If the need to make a perfect decision is the paradigm surrounding any problem in life, there can be no solution. My boys struggle with this from time to time. I think this is part of the mindset Gen Z carries with them. And I do think it is at least partly a reflection of the significant role social media plays in their lives. The 20 to 30 second manufactured perspectives we all get to see every day on social media can easily convince us that perfection is an achievable standard. The perfect vacation, the perfect trick shot, the perfect meal, the perfect body. But as the 17th century French writer and philosopher Voltaire said, the perfect is the enemy of the good. This is the message I have tried to drill into my boys over and over again, whenever they're confronted with difficult decisions. It is impossible to find a perfect decision with a perfect outcome, and attempting to do so can prevent you from being able to make a decision at all. This is an important lesson, not just for Gen Z members of the Hegel household. This pursuit of perfect decisions has been a challenge in my relationship with my wife, Nina, as well, particularly early in our relationship. She had a habit of not only seeking perfect outcomes for our family that didn't exist, but here's where it got really dicey. She would blame me for the inevitable negative consequences that came along with seemingly every single decision that I made on behalf of the family. This is another one of those $20,000 topics from couples therapy, meaning we likely invested $20,000 in working through this particular relationship minefield. Money well spent. I'm happy to say that we do much better in this regard now. How did we accomplish that, you ask? It's a good question, and one I didn't really take the time to analyze and appreciate until writing this episode of Dadages. I think the key for the entire family is this. We take more time now 
to talk through important decisions for the family. And we don't focus on what is the right decision. Instead, we focus on what are the likely consequences of the different decisions that are on the table, both positive and negative. And we select the best decision, not in spite of the negative consequences, but in full recognition and appreciation of those negative consequences and how they are outweighed by the positive consequences. This is part of the cultivation of the responsible, accountable mindset we discussed in our previous series on responsibility as a luxury and accountability as the price you pay for it. And don't let me fool you. Do you know who in my life is most often the one boxing me into the forced paradigm of the pursuit of perfection? Me. 100% me. I recognize and take accountability for that fact. So, we've now clearly explained that every decision we make and every action we take in life has both positive and negative consequences. Now, here is the really tricky part. No matter how wise or prescient we may be in looking into that crystal ball, we certainly can't anticipate all of the negative consequences associated with our actions. And to go even further, some of the negative consequences of our actions are not only unintended and unanticipated, they may also be completely imperceptible. There may be things that totally sneak up on us, knock the wind out of us, pull the rug out from under us, blindside us, pick your expression. These silent assassins are the things that can creep in and undermine us when we least expect it. In the next episode, I'll give you some pointers to help you look out for these factors, pay heed to them, and work your way through them. For now, let me give you a dramatic example from history to help you understand what I'm talking about. Do you remember our friend Gaudi? We introduced him in our episode, Don't Let What You Can't Do Prevent You From Doing What You Can. Antoni Gaudi was the great Spanish architect and designer who was responsible for the construction of La Sagrada Familia, the Basilica in Barcelona, that has continued in construction for a hundred years following his death. We touted Gaudi as an example of how some of the greatest feats of mankind can be achieved even if they take more than a lifetime. But Gaudi paid dearly for the commitment he had made to La Sagrada Familia. He was not a stable individual. He was a heavy drinker and drug abuser. I have to imagine these self-destructive behaviors were exacerbated by his obsession with the construction of the basilica. He was overwhelmed. While he was capable of the sacrifices he made for his work, he was not immune to the negative consequences. In the end, they likely led to his death in 1926. Gaudi died alone in a hospital bed after being struck by a streetcar while wandering the streets in a drunken stupor. While the wonder and majesty of La Sagrada Familia and its ongoing construction stand as a testimony to his greatness, fittingly, he is also buried beneath the towering edifice. Gaudi was literally buried by the magnitude of his endeavors and the extent of his obsession. Let me now share the most poignant example of that from my life. What I'm talking about is the phenomenon of operating within my capability but getting way outside of my capacity. Spoiler alert, 
It also involves a building that nearly crushed me. This is a story about the most significant decision I ever made on behalf of myself and my entire family. It was the decision to move from Los Angeles to Dallas during the COVID pandemic. We moved not one, but two households over 1,500 miles from California to Texas. It was a fundamental guideline for me that I would not create a situation that would separate the boys from their biological mom or from me when we moved. We'll talk in more detail about our move from LA to Dallas in future episodes. And the reality is that the move does not represent one decision, but a series of literally hundreds of decisions woven together, a series of hundreds of parallel processes and efforts all happening in a complex sequence to produce the outcomes that we realized over the span of a couple of years. It's a lot to digest, even in hindsight. For today's episode, I'll focus on just one piece of the puzzle, our home. We sold a home in Porter Ranch, California, which is in the San Fernando Valley, north of Los Angeles. It is essentially as far northwest as you can go and still be in Los Angeles County. What is great about that is even though it was during a time of great uncertainty around COVID, there was a major push at that time for families to get out of the downtown urban environments and get to more distant suburbs where there was less density and people could afford larger homes and more personal space. We benefited from this pressure in Los Angeles County, sustaining the value of the home we were selling. But this movement of families from urban to suburban areas in California was what I refer to as a micro-migration. By comparison, the waves of people moving from California to Texas was a true mass migration, like the wildebeests across the Serengeti of Africa. The mass migration, of which we were a part, fueled hysteria in the housing market in Texas, particularly in the area we had selected to live, the town of Fairview, Texas, in northeast Dallas. It is a suburban, almost rural community with large homes on Texas-sized lots and a very strong independent school district. Houses in the area would only be on the market for days, sometimes hours, and certainly not weeks. We found a great house that had just come on the market and was move-in ready. We made a very compelling offer, went under contract in late January 2021, and proceeded to line up a mortgage to close on the home. Now, if you go back and look at weather reports from that time, you will see that one of the sharpest cold snaps in recorded history hit Dallas that month. This was a deep freeze, and there was fallout everywhere, including in our home-to-be. The fire sprinkler system in the house froze and burst, flooding the entire first floor with hundreds of gallons of water. There was a river flowing from the master bedroom, out the garage, and down the driveway. It was a nightmare scenario. Because we had sold our house, the boys were already enrolled in school, and the wheels were literally set in motion for us to go to Texas. We loved the house and saw it as a potential forever home. So we hung in there as, as long as we could with the sellers. There was remediation and insurance claims and negotiations with multiple parties. Ultimately, after a protracted ordeal, we recognized that we could not see eye to eye with the sellers and there was no way to keep the sale intact. We had to drop the purchase of our dream house. Meanwhile, we had to scramble and come up with somewhere else to live. 
There were no homes to rent in the school district, but we did find a reasonable house we could rent in a neighboring community. So we signed a lease and my younger son Camden and I moved promptly. We had decided that he could not remain in California any longer because he was suffering academically far more than his brother Brayden because the unstructured nature of remote learning was really not conducive to his success. He was in the second semester of eighth grade and many people smarter than me advised us that a second semester transfer in eighth grade from a California private middle school would be a softer landing place for him at a public school in Texas versus a transition into the first day of high school the following fall. Braden remained enrolled in Chaminade in Los Angeles, where he continued his remote studies, and Nina stayed back in California to coordinate the logistics of the move to Texas. As you can tell, each step of this process was based on a set of decisions being made in response to the variables that were thrown at us, but the cumulative effects of these decisions continued to get more and more extreme and incredibly disruptive and unsettling, to say the least. Don't worry, we were just getting started. During the first couple of weeks, we were in the rental house, and right after Camden started school in Texas, another house came on the market. The house was in the best neighborhood in the school district. It was older, built in 1998. Don't worry, we'll come back to that. It had a ton of amenities, like a pool, a sport court, and over two acres of land that backed up to a horse farm. It seemed pretty ideal. We made a decision and acted quickly. Actually, that's not true. I made a decision and I acted quickly. Nina was still holding down the fort in Los Angeles. We couldn't lose this house. While we had a rental in the area, it was not within the limits of the school district which meant that while I had previously been under contract to purchase a home in the school district, which allowed Camden to start school, once the district learned that we had not purchased the home, both boys would be ineligible to enroll in school or to play varsity sports the following year, completely undermining the entire purpose of the move. So I pulled every penny of savings and borrowed some additional funds from family in order to make an all-cash offer to buy the house on a seven-day close. Like I said, I was not going to lose this house. Looking back through the lens of hindsight, this seems completely insane. But I'm not saying I would have made a different decision if I had to go back and do it again. I was blessed that I was capable of doing things that others would not consider, and I was highly motivated. I still stand by the notion that it was the best decision at the time, probably the best worst decision we could make. But we got exactly what 2023 Chad would have advised 2021 Chad to expect, a complete mess. We were buying the home from a couple that was going through a bitter divorce. There was so much negativity around their family. It was almost as if A cloud of negative energy hung over the house like a a dark storm. Because we closed on the house so quickly, we gave the wife 30 days to remain in the house while Camden and I continued to live in the rental, and we arranged for the big move to bring all of our stuff from California to Texas. Nina made her first trip to visit the house one weekend during the interim period. We made arrangements with the seller for us to get access, and we drove over to the home. When we walked through the front door, I could read Nina's body language. She was not happy. 
she could feel the negative energy in the air. She's very sensitive to, to that sort of thing. We each caught fleeting glimpses of the cellar and her children scurrying around the house while we were there. To this day, Nina is certain they were trolls occupying the house and several stories from the neighbors about the public behavior of the family screaming at people in the neighborhood certainly supported the notion that they may have actually been a family of angry trolls. Even though the seller had signed a binding agreement that stated they would move out of the house at the end of the 30 days, it became very clear that she had no intention of complying with her obligations. On the day we were to get possession of the home, the seller's occupancy ended at the stroke of midnight. I honestly had no clue if they would comply or not. I was at the rental house and I couldn't go to sleep. So I texted my buddy, Steve Frost. You all know him, dad voice guy, and our first guest on Dadages. I said, hey, Steve, are, are you up for going over to the house at midnight to see if they've left? You bring the flashlights and I'll bring the beer. Steve, being Steve, said, sure, I'm in. We pulled up to the house at the stroke of midnight and thankfully we found it abandoned. We let ourselves in through the front door using the keys in the lockbox, and we popped some beers and toasted the new home. This would be the last celebration of the house for quite some time. Rather than me giving you the full story, which would take hours and would just be too depressing, frankly, for this podcast, let me just do some free word association and throw out some things related to our first 18 months in the house. Here we go, in no particular order. Foundation repairs, black mold, beehive in the walls, poisonous snakes in the yard, rodent infestation in the attic, fraudulent home inspection leading to a year-long lawsuit, underslab plumbing leak, whole home hot water system reroute, more mold, ex-husband stole the pool pump in the freeze, contractor walked off the job, no laundry room for three months, Discovered no exterior waterproofing in the entire home. Unmaintained air conditioning system requiring five figures of repairs. Improper install of spray foam insulation, trapping moisture in the attic. Entire third floor, gutted. Still more mold. Broken sewage pipe. Spilling toilet water from upstairs into the kitchen ceiling. No kitchen for six months. Try that one when you have two hungry teenage boys and a wife who is a gourmet chef. Anyway, all of this just added up and added up and added up. The toll it took on the entire family was tremendous. Nina felt she was without an identity because she was without a kitchen and could not provide for her family or pursue her work or her passion. It was during this period that Camden decided to leave our household and live full-time with his mother. I can't blame that entirely on our circumstances in the home, But the instability caused by everything happening exacerbated underlying challenges within our family dynamics. And Braden was frustrated that we had uprooted the family to find a better life in Dallas and were faced with so much instability and turmoil. It wore on all of us. I bore the brunt of the string of decisions I had made, and in the moment, it felt like I was just making bad decision after bad decision with bad outcomes piling up on top of bad outcomes. And I was given and and rightfully accepted full accountability for every one of those decisions, particularly the house. It was a period of tremendous strain on the family and on our marriage. 
A friend of mine once joked that a marriage can withstand two affairs or one remodel. <laughs> this was something completely different and way beyond a remodel. This was a total rebuild while living in a home. And the things we were spending money on, by the end, several hundred thousand dollars, were not things we wanted to do to make the home ours. They were things we had to do just to salvage the home and make up for years and years of neglect by the original builder and then by the previous owners. I hit my limit several times throughout this process. I found myself suffering from anxiety attacks for the first time in my life, finding my heart racing, feeling like I could not catch my breath. It's worth pointing out that throughout this entire period, I was also running a company and navigating the management of a real estate portfolio in the pandemic and post-pandemic world while trying to execute on the construction of new projects and keep my company going with every penny to my name wrapped up in the house that was eating the family alive. Remember, we closed on the new home all cash and had to navigate putting a mortgage in place after the fact while dealing with all the catastrophes around the home. There was one particular moment in time when I was up to my eyeballs and everything that was happening and the bank was dragging out the loan processing seemingly infinitely. I was on the phone with the banker finding out about the latest in the string of delays and requests for still more information. I was frustrated and I voiced how poorly I thought they were handling the approval process. And the lender responded by saying, now Chad, I think you just need to remember how hard these times are for folks and how much their lives have been disrupted. You need to be more sensitive to them and everything they are going through to try to put this loan in place for you. Whew. Boy, did I erupt. This was my moment to let loose and let it all out. Okay, time for one more 80s movie reference. The Money Pit with Tom Hanks. Do you recall the scene where the bathtub falls through the floor and lands in the living room and Tom just loses it? If you haven't seen this genius performance by Tom, or if you just want a refresher, the scene is on YouTube. We'll put a link in the bulletin board on datages.com. In this moment of complete surrender to the house that has consumed his soul, Tom goes into a fit of hysterical laughter because he just can't take it anymore. I too had hit my money pit moment. But instead of a hysterical fit of laughter, it was more like a storm of expletives that came out of my mouth at a volume and in a voice that I could not recognize as my own. And all of this happened with Camden sitting in the car listening. I did my best afterwards to salvage that experience as a teachable moment for Camden, but, but I couldn't. I, I had to look to it just as a moment of humanity when he got to understand that his dad is imperfect and flawed, and has emotional limits and a breaking point. We'll talk more about the importance of understanding these limits in the next episode. I hope the explanation I've provided today and these dramatic personal illustrations of the difference between being capable of something and being capable of something without unacceptable consequences have been helpful in building your understanding of today's datage. Just because you can do something doesn't mean you can. In our next episode of Datages, we will get into a more practical discussion surrounding this topic 
And I'll provide you with some advice and guidance regarding understanding of capabilities and consequences and navigating important decisions while looking out for your own well-being. Please join us for that discussion. Subscribe to Datages now so you don't miss it when it's published. And if you have your own stories to share about pressing beyond your personal capacity and facing the consequences of exceeding your limits, please share them. I'd love to hear from you. Email me, chad at datages.com. And for our dad joke today, let's go back to a topic from the top of the episode. What do you call two doctors whose medical opinions are completely at odds with one another? A paradox. A paradox. And what do you call an intelligent idiot? An oxymoron. Double dad joke. You're welcome. Until next time, remember, dad may not always know what he's talking about, but he sure can sound like he does. Thank you for listening to Dadages. If you enjoyed this episode, remember to visit dadages.com and subscribe to the Dadages podcast to get notified for future episodes. You can rate or review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Why? Because I'm your father and I said so. Just a little respect is all I ask for. I put a roof over your head and food on the table. And what do you do? No, tell me exactly what do you do? Because I'm doing everything. I'm paying for everything. No, get back here. Get back here right now.